WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week we're welcoming back the co creator of the Burgers, Crime, and Satanism comic True Cult and the TKO short story Seeds of Eden, Liana Kangas. Uh, welcome back, Liana. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I am really excited because uh, the viewers or the listeners cannot see, but I can finally see you guys. And we've already done a podcast before. So it's like, a blessing to be able to see <laughs> both of you. <laughs> it's it's nice to be seen. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna drive this podcast right off the rails to start with because you know I, I think very very often you know we we tend to be you know all business and it's like all right yeah you know, let's, let's 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 put comics aside for a second. Are you caught right. up on the Mandalorian? Uh, I think so. Yes. Uh, can you like cut out spoilers? Hey, listeners, the next the next five minutes or so, just you know, hit a little fast forward. We're we're we're, we're going to get into it. <laughs> and by the time this airs, the the most recent episode will be two weeks old. So okay, cool. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Ahsoka Tano was the last episode. Yes. Right? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm caught up. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Hmm. Already tried to start some fan art. Won't lie. <laughs> very yeah, very very nice a lot of people season on that uh yeah okay okay so this is this is very much a me thing like i i i you know i love the show i watch it like saturday night like that's my last night of work for the week i come home and my wife and my son watch it that's our little ritual um this was like the first time where i was it, it just it hit me in a weird way and i'm not calling it a criticism because I, I think this is this is me viewing it through the lens of like how i've engaged with star wars uh, which is to say that, like, I've never watched the cartoons. I've never read the novels. Uh, you know, that's not a, you know what I mean? So, like, I know Ahsoka Tano's from the, you know, the, the Clone Wars cartoon, right? Yeah. And then they drop that Thrawn reference uh, toward, toward the end. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah look, look, look at Matt up there. He's, he's beaming because that's, that's his guy. <laughs> I, I literally made the sound that Fox Mulder makes in the episode of the X-Files, Jose Chung's from Outer Space, when he sees the alien corpse, and he just lets out this whoop of, like, complete glee when he sees it. I, I did that when they said Thrawn, because I was, the entire episode, I was like, okay, they, they, they mentioned his, her master, They're gonna, it's going to be Gideon, or it's either going to be Gideon to tie into the whole series, or it's going to be Snoke to lay groundwork for the, the secret. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, and then they said Thrawn, and I was like, <laughs> 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 he is my favorite character in the Star Wars canon, bar none. I, I love that character. I think, all right, so, so when, when Star Wars, when Disney bought Lucasfilm and got the rights to all the Star Wars stuff and, you know, they sort of did that thing where it was like, okay, all the Dark Horse comics and the novels or whatever, you know, they're, they're not like, they're not the canon that we're going to go with, right? And, 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 and so The Mandalorian is now, is, is part of, I guess, whatever you want to call it, like the Skywalker Saga canon, like the, you know, that, that sort of a thing. The movie I, trilogy. Yeah. I, yeah. So like seeing this other stuff incorporated, I was like, okay this you know I, I was just i was like one of those weirdos it was like hmm, this does nothing for me and i don't mean again i don't mean that like that's that's that, that's totally like a biased personal judgment call i'm not saying like like for example the episode had some of that great samurai western shit that is what makes yeah. the mandalorian good so what you're saying is you just weren't as 
extremely excited as Matt was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh, I, I bet I there's an audience for this that is like eating it up right now. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I got episode... multiple texts from friends like, D -d -d have you seen the new Mandalorian yet? I'm like, yes. Yes. It's interesting for me because I'm like at the same time like knowledge gaining and world building because like there's mm -hmm. things that I forget all the time. The world is so expansive. I can't remember everything. And so I actually have a group of my best friends from high school. We all play Edge of Empire. We've been playing for over two years. We discuss things immediately. We all wait to make sure everybody's watched it. And they all were talking about him the whole time, obviously <laughs> for the last like eight hours um, because we all finally caught up. But I was like, y'all, do you still, I just, the second Ahsoka's name was dropped, I was like weeping, like when they were on the ship, just, just weeping. And it's just nice to have uh, all of the formats of Star Wars to interlay with each other. And for, you know, for Jon Favreau to uh, see this as like an opportunity to like include all these different types of characters, uh, I'm like, you are perfect, Jon Favreau. Thank you <laughs> for Thank you for your service. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, they've done a good job. And it's interesting because I don't know if, Dan, you didn't, it, it didn't seem the same thing when they brought in Bo-Katan a couple episodes ago, because she's a cartoon character too. Yeah. Okay, see, I did it not know that. It didn't hit me as much because I haven't, I haven't finished all of Clone Wars, which all ah. of my friends berate me and yell at me all the time. <laughs> but I'm like, I only have so much time in the day and I want to like pay attention to it. And so I'm still, I think, on season two. You know what I mean? So uh. it, it, it was cool because Katie Sackhoff, who played Bo-Katan, voiced Bo-Katan in the cartoon. I did hear that. That's incredible. And she's yeah. also in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. Starbuck. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love her so much. She's so good. I'm hoping oh. that they bring, when, when they introduce Thrawn in, when he actually shows up, I'm hoping that they get Lars Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, it could have been just, yeah. I mean, I think there's the distinct possibility it's just an Easter egg and yeah. or building to something that will happen outside the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Eventually uh, the Ahsoka spinoff or something else. But I'm hoping if they physically embody Thrawn, Lars Mikkelsen, who voiced... Thrawn would play the character on the cartoon as well because he I mean he's a, not just a, I mean, not just a voice actor I mean that's I don't mean to make it sound like a voice actor can't also do the physical physicality because they are actors of the highest caliber as well but yeah. he is an actor who also does a lot of on-camera work oh interesting and is the brother of Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> Also didn't know that. I'm learning <laughs> so much tonight. This is great. Now I can go tell all my best friends. I'm full of useless information. I'm proud <laughs> of it. Uh, um, well, here's the other real question, though. Are we all going to start calling him Grogu? No. Because I never even started calling is. him the child. <laughs> no, yeah. Everyone, I love the the wrapping paper Twitter uh, tweet from like yesterday, where somebody just scratched out the child and wrote Baby Yoda all over it, like literally <laughs> the entire thing. I was like, mm, yes, they get it. But once it's once it's stuck, you can't get rid of it. But yeah, no. I do like Grogu. I thought that was a really cute name. Really cute. <sighs> oh, man. Um, 
All right. So I, I, I've wasted enough of this, uh, this, this show's time. <laughs> um, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, let, 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 let's talk, Liana. Um, first of all, how, how's the drumming going? Oh, it's actually really good. I accidentally kicked, uh, kicked the screw out of my bass drum today. Ooh. So uh, I had to, had to have my partner fix it. And he's way better at that than I am. Um, it's, it's really good. I've learned, I want to say I started in January and I had to take two months off because I injured myself skateboarding. Mm. And I know like roughly five songs. Not bad. Um, I am supposed to record some drum tracks for uh, Patrick at Challengers and I oh, wow. keep forgetting to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's get this nerd band going. Let's go. <laughs> Listen, we've, we've still got a while before, you know, mass vaccinations. You've got plenty of time to practice. <laughs> for your first That's kid. true. That's true. Yeah, I love it a lot, though. And it's, it's like a great, um, I hate, like, exercising and working out. I, I try to do it anyway. But this is, like, the best, like, stress reliever because it's kind of like, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners used to play Guitar Hero, but I used to play that a lot. And I, it's the, I think maybe the, the hand-eye coordination stuff to like, to keep practicing and perfect, perfect each time is really rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, and to actually have the rhythm and uh, keep a tune is also very rewarding, so. Um, it's a really nice thing uh, to do outside of comics and outside of reading comics because you guys know, but maybe not everyone else, but my hobby is also comics. So um, sometimes it's all encompassing and I need to get away from it. And music mm -hmm. is my other alternative um, besides collecting comics. So my, uh, my daughter's three and she has a lot of energy, like just way too much, you know, energy. And one day on a whim, this is like just a couple weeks ago, I, you mentioned Guitar Hero. I dug up the, the, the rock band drum kit. Yes. It was like in storage <laughs> in my laundry room. And I, I you know, I, I sat it down in front of her and, and gave her the sticks. And I put on a YouTube video of just Dave Grohl drumming for like 22 Incredible. minutes straight. Start out with the best. Exactly. It was the most I've been able to keep her like focused on a thing in quite some time. <laughs> you, I, I know at one point or other, Logan, who's for those that knew Dan's older son, and it, we're watching like random episodes of The Simpsons. Did you see the one where they give Bart the drum set? No, we didn't get to that one. Season 18. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's... I mean, it's season 18 Simpsons, so it is what it is. But that's kind of exactly the point that, you know, they give Bart the drum set to just use all that energy. Mm -hmm. It's actually not a bad episode. <laughs> oh, man. Um, just, I, I, I looked up, uh, Googled uh, common drumming injuries as I was researching for this episode. And it comes, it came back wrist and lower back, which sounds a lot like, like, artist repetitive use Comics. issues oh yeah it's real bad that's why i took two months off of drumming <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> uh, yeah um actually like one one injury i don't think is discussed very often which happens often in football is called turf toe um, okay. where i think it's a sprain of your big toe and um i think that has also happened to me 
because <laughs> I didn't realize I was um, doing the kick improperly. Uh, I was doing it with the ball of my feet instead of the whole foot. And so mm. it's, you know, th there's a lot of things that with in-person in instruction could have been very helpful. And yet I am very lucky that one of my collaborators for the thing that I just finished, uh, John O'Diener, he is a professional drummer. So like we'll FaceTime or like he'll text me like, hey, here's some stretches for your wrist because I'd be like, oh my God, my wrist is like cramping up like crazy and I can't like, I could hardly hold my Cintiq pen and mm -hmm. he'd just like text me real quick and be like, hey, do this, this and this. And usually it's like, boom, just worked immediately. Um, and other things good for comic artists, also good for drummers, yoga is something that I do fairly often. Um, I used to do every day, I don't anymore, but it's, I think my body is already prepared for that type of stuff. So I t I'm pretty like regimented in taking care of my body for both of those things. I could be a lot better, but then I wouldn't have time to actually draw or drum. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the trade-off. Uh, um, what, did, what did you end up injuring uh, skateboarding? Oh, no. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> um, I, I finally get to tell this story publicly. I kind of tweeted about it, but not really. Uh, so Kelly Williams is an artist that's really close to me. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't live too far away from each other. And I had wanted to get back into skateboarding for a while. And I was gifted a skateboard deck. Uh, it was a Mobius skateboard deck. So I was like, yeah, this is totally going to get me back into skateboarding. Um, so Kelly Williams and I met up to this like really cool skateboard shop in Memphis. And I got all the wheels and everything. And I was like, let's go. The park is open. I was like, this is the perfect socially distanced thing that we could do is like skate around with our masks on. No biggie. Um, I think I went up a ramp and thank God he wasn't filming at the time because we were like taking turns, like, you know, looking cool on camera. Um, <laughs> though he might have actually filmed it and just deleted it. Bless him. Uh, in that I went up a ramp and I don't, I didn't remember how to go down because it has been like eight years since I've skated and I 100% ate it on the, it was like half on the ramp and half on the concrete. So it was like still a cushion fall. Mm -hmm. I didn't break anything, which is honestly incredible, but I did uh, have a gnarly like a goose egg like on my knee um, and to where I was like, oh, okay, like that just injured both of the things I really enjoy, which is drawing and uh, drumming. So mm -hmm. I was like, maybe never going to skate ever again. Or if I do, wear extreme, extreme protection. So I immediately um, that same week bought pads and a helmet for my entire <laughs> body. Just like wrap me up in a, you know, a pillow with duct tape and I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, you know, no matter what you're doing this year, whether it's skateboarding or going to the grocery store, personal protective equipment is everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wear a mask at all times, 24 seven. So uh, just a couple, uh, I guess it was just in October, actually, uh, you know, you guys did the Kickstarter for uh, True Cult, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Scott Brian Wilson, Gap Contreras, Stacey Hopkins. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the listeners the, the, the spiel for it before we get, you know, get deeper into it. Uh, Marty is stuck at his dead-end job at Burger Lord, and the last 15 years have passed him by. What happens when he accidentally steals a supernatural weapon from an insane cult full of violent lunatics led by a monster in human form? Uh, will his manager and best friend Bernice roll her eyes and fire him? Will hopeful employee Allison get roped into Marty's unholy troubles? Will cashier Sonia just make out with her boyfriend Ratblood in the parking lot and miss all the excitement? Uh, 
first of all, uh, congrats on the success of the campaign. You know, we see a lot of Kickstarters from creators in uh, our, our line of not actually work, but uh, it's, it's less rare to see a, a campaign get funded on day one. Uh, you know, were you guys just sort of messaging each other, you know, screaming back and forth uh, that, that day? <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you so much, by the way. Those are very kind words. And thank you for covering it. That was awesome and incredibly helpful. I'm sure got us some backers, too. So I can't thank you enough. Um, our entire purpose that day was to meet. So it was uh, Jaslyn Stone, who is the marketer. <laughs> Um, Scott and I met uh, for what was supposed to be an hour. I think it turned out to be like three hours as we watched the, you know, the counter go and then finally get funded. Mm -hmm. And like, I think Jaslyn called it. I think she was like, I think we're going to get funded by lunchtime. And I was like, nah, get out of here. <laughs> um, but then like Scott was there refreshing every like five seconds. <laughs> and so it was difficult to be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go do something else now. So like we all focused and like sat down and like did a whole bunch of work for the book. Um, and I do think that it was very successful because of the community that we've already established, um, all of our peers and friends in um, the comics community were awesome, like giving us incredible reviews, like um, pull quotes too, that were very, very nice um, without even reading all four issues. So it was kind of interesting the way we had planned to kickstart it with it being all four issues digital, but you get the physical first copy. We, Cause we had looked over, um, all three of us had looked over what Kickstarters were successful and what we wanted out of a Kickstarter and they were completely different. Mm -hmm. And so it was taking a risk, but I'm glad we did because it was an incredible risk and I think it paid off. And honestly, like, especially right now with how local comic shops and everything are going on right now, like. I know right now I'm mostly only buying number ones and waiting until the next month because typically mm -hmm. I just add everything to my polis and buy all five. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. all whatever. But at this point, I'm like, I will buy all number ones. And then if I'm like lucky that week, if I get to read it, I'll be like, yeah, put it to my poll. Like I'm into it. But my read lists, I mean, like I have a mountain of I'm embarrassed to say like six short boxes of to read. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah, it's real bad right now. <laughs> um, but I have a whole bunch of stuff that I have read that's way more than six short boxes. So. Um, I think that that Scott and I were already huge comic collectors. I think that that had helped shape our view of how we wanted a book that um, we didn't release through a publisher. So I went on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we we always like when the guests go on tangents. <laughs> um, you know, Matt, Matt and I have something I've learned, you know, especially this year, uh, you know, as, as we've kind of looked more into different Kickstarters, Matt and I have very different backing habits. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, I, I think at last count, Matt had backed like 300 some Kickstarters. Not that many. It's closer to two. But still, it was definitely okay. It was definitely yeah. triple digits. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it's approaching two hundred. But I've also been backing Kickstarters for like eight or nine years now. Since so it that's, came out, essentially. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. A badge of honor, sir. I yeah. also appreciate that. 
Yeah, that you can thank uh, Greg Rucka and the Atomic Robo guys for the, their their first campaigns. Each are the ones that got me to, into this habit that is now adding to a to read stack of so many Kickstarters. I mean, it's, it's just a sub habit of a larger habit. Yeah, like, oh yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of my bad habits because it, it's if it's not comics, it's board games. It's like. <laughs> Well, Kickstarter is a terrible area for you there. That's too much window shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wait, so how many have you backed, Dan? Okay, so uh, the the joke that I had put in, uh, which had bad math in it, thank you, Matt, uh, was that he'd backed like 300 and I've backed like three. Uh, I actually think it's a couple more than that, but it's definitely, it's definitely fewer than 10, but uh, this one, but true cult was definitely, that one was like an instant buy for me. Um, you know, where, where, where is, where are you guys currently in production? In production as of right now, mm-hmm. I think, um, the majority of the merch is prepped and bought besides the shirts, because we have to get like the backer kit and everybody's yep. like style and everything. Um, and we are, I believe, possibly going to print soon. So a lot earlier, um, than planned, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we tried to be extremely diligent about, you know, um, the schedule of comics is very difficult. And so Mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that everybody had time to be able to do their thing. And we also had a ton of collaborators, come in on the book for like pinups and stuff. And we wanted to make sure they had time uh, because there's some incredible stuff. We even have a cosplay pinup, which I'm astonished and happy and overwhelmed by. There's like a ton of back matter. So we tried to make it very valuable for, you know, the backer that got the physical number one copy for Mm -hmm. it to be worth it. Like almost kind of like getting a double issue, but not um, if that makes sense, a double sided issue. Yeah, I mean, because that that first issue ballooned over the course of the Kickstarter with like back matter and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much to where we had to get a brand new quote because we went over the page count. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hey, I don't think anyone's going to be upset. This is great. There are worse problems to have. Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, this this was a big year for for comics and Kickstarter, both in terms of the number of projects and and also the money those projects raised. Um, you know, I, I think they were out there saying uh, last last month it was something like 127 million dollars, uh, and obviously the year's not over yet. Uh, and, and also there was that Keanu Reeves thing that kind of wrecked the grading yeah. curve. Um, but mm-hmm. knowing that, uh, you know, going into launching True Cult, uh, you know what were your guys kind of like, you know, hopes, fears, dreams? Cause you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot of creators, especially, you know, once, once the whole diamond shutdown thing happened, there were a lot more creators that were like, yeah, let me, you know, I've got this, this idea lying around. Maybe it's, it's time I, 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 you know, go the Kickstarter route. You know, what, was there a fear that the book would get, uh, you know, lost in the noise or anything like that? Yeah, of course. Um, I think because, uh, our pitching plans were a bit derailed because it had already been pitched. Mm-hmm. And what Scott and I inevitably decided was that we wanted to continue working on this. Like we didn't want to put on the back burner in hopes that a publisher was finally able to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me to not be sure about my schedule 
And so because I had a couple of months free during, you know, the last year almost, yeah, uh, it was easier for me to work on it at my own pace and for us to decide, you know, hey, uh, if this Kickstarter is, you know, successful, then boom, it's done. Like we're doing it, right? So, um, and we had accounted for just everything. And I think the fears were, were honestly, uh, Scott and I are so, such loyal um, local comic shop fans mm -hmm. in that this is a totally different area for us. We have no idea how... Um, a distribution would be like, you know, available to shops and, you know, people are like, oh, you could do a retailer tier. Or, oh, you could do this. And, you know, even maybe when, if, if it catches traction or whatever, there's plans for the future. Right. Um, but I think at the time, I think Jaslyn is the one that suggested Kickstarter. And I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do a Kickstarter, but I had just come off of working uh work for hire for the inevitables and they did a kickstarter but it was a music like vinyl record and single issue and mm -hmm. i didn't have any part of running the campaign so my only knowledge of running a kickstarter was watching all my friends like you know charlie stickney or mm -hmm. like um i'm trying to think uh like my friend michi who does like design and illustration they've done like pin campaigns and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh have them be successful and see how much work they put into it and so part of the fear maybe was was okay how are we all going to split up that work how are we all going to work together how are we going to have an open line of communication mm -hmm. and it's much like a marriage in that you have to have an open line of communication to make sure everything works or whatever right so like this is like a work project and opportunity for this to be like you know an idea or like a story or part of our IP for the rest of our lives so it was carefully decided and I'm glad we went with Kickstarter because you know now we have all these amazing people that back Kickstarters all the time solely you know comics Kickstarter um that joined us too so mm -hmm. I think it just worked out really well honestly and it was a good learning experience and I cannot wait to share that knowledge with everybody else like people are already asking me like hey um, can you help me like with some questions on my Kickstarter? I'm like, yes, please. Because I literally reached out to everyone I knew. <laughs> I had no shame. Just ask every single person. Um, you know, one thing, I mean, I will say this was probably one of the best organized Kickstarters that I've seen in terms of, you know, updates, scratch goals, you know, uh, new merch announcements, you know, how, how long was the ramp up period to, to launching in terms of, you know, how you guys planned all that stuff out? It was less than a month. And I, Jasmine is the coolest human being on the face of the planet. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> she truly like, uh, Scott and I make the time, like we make time in our, you know, in our schedule, whether it be at night or weekends or whatever, but like Jasmine, oh, just an incredible marketer, but also like the way she had the whole plan set up just blew me away. I can't give away her trade secrets, but you know, <laughs> hire her. If you would like to market your comic book, hit up Jasmine Stone. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh man, that's great. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was l- lucky for us, you know, because we've worked in comics for so long. We had recommendations of vendors and stuff like, and like friends who were vendors already, to where we trusted them already or had worked with them. You know, like obviously, you both have seen that I've run my own shop um, online, and so I've already had experience with like pin vendors and shirt vendors because I do my own merch and whatnot for my illustrations. So. Um, I think it was, I wouldn't say easy, but like everything was laid out. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it seem like an unattainable goal for those that want to have Kickstarter. It's a mountain that you have to climb. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes you already have a big rope, you know, pulling you up. So I think each experience is totally different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Certainly. Uh, So we did get, we got a true cult uh, relevant uh, Twitter question. Uh, from our uh, Xavier Files overlord, Zach Jenkins, uh, best fries. Who, who makes the best, best fries? Yes, best fast food fries. Also, hello to Zach. Um, <laughs> um, 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 it has to be McDonald's. However, they have to be within five minutes of being dipped in the fryer. Otherwise, throw it out, period. Um, <laughs> second runner-up, Checkers fries. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's that weird, like, seasoning. I don't know what it is. It's special. It's magic. Uh, I, 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 I do like when people go with the more sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 reg- the regional favorites, the, you know, your checkers, your, your, uh, your Hardee's, your Carl's Jr., your, uh, you know, There's stuff like that. There's a lot that I learned in this Kickstarter <laughs> about fast food that honestly, I mean, some of it, went in one ear and out the other. But some of the other stuff, I was like, what is that? There's like a whole bunch of stuff in the uh, Northeast where it just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. So- Was this research uh, that you guys were doing or was this like just stuff that people like- they found a- <laughs> If we like, we did a ton of Twitch streams on my Twitch channel and like did interviews and stuff like that. And so a lot of people would ask us stuff and it would spawn really cool conversations like uh you know your last desert island fast food meal or like do you eat your wendy's french fries with the frosty and like blah 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 but there were like weird things like i guess places you could get burgers there's like these weird fries with like different types of stuff on it and which i'm used to living having had lived in canada like poutine exists and things like that but it's, it's just wonderful. interesting. The yeah, the fast food like chains don't even bother me. It's the weird stuff that comes with the chains where I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> um, but now I have this whole vision in my head that I could totally make an entire menu board with Scott for Burger Lord, ready to go. And I will be very particular, I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, I smell more back matter. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You get me already. <laughs> oh man. Um, so uh, apart apart from from True Cult, uh, you know, you also just released uh, Seeds of Eden, a short story at TKO with uh, Joe Corallo and Paul, as I said, uh, Jeff Powell. Um, I'll, again, I'll, I'll you know give a quick summary for the listeners. Uh, when a space pioneer attempts to create a self-sustaining colony on Jupiter, her visit takes an unsuspecting and deadly turn. So uh, this was your first time writing. How was that experience? It was, I think. It might, <laughs> it's my first time being published okay, as a writer. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> Joe and I actually, during uh, She Said Destroy, mm-hmm. we were tossing around the idea of like kind of co-writing, like coming, co-creating, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, we came up with a couple more pitches. We were like, oh, we'll totally work together again, blah, 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 whatever. But I had this opportunity from Z at TKO in that I met Z and Sebastian at Emerald City mm-hmm. um, last year. And they are both wonderful, like incredibly nice human beings. Love talking to them. Ended up following up the next week and like chatted with Z for a while. He is hilarious. Literally, he needs to be cast on every single TV show. I don't understand how he hasn't <laughs> won awards for his tweets. Like they're incredible. Um, but he was like, hey, have you ever thought about writing? And I literally was like, what? <laughs> I had no idea like what my response was to that because I'd never thought about writing outside of anything just for myself. I have tons of stuff. I mean, I have a series that I'm working on for myself um, and some like shorts that I've always done and written myself, but I had never considered pitching a series or anything like that. So I had called Joe that day, I think after I got the email and was like, I, I might be misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I curious as to whether or not I could co-write. And because Joe and I had already worked together that entire year, I was like, why not? Let's do it. You know, I'm um, just being like, Hey, would you be interested if I asked C if you could co-write with me or whatever? So I just, you know, uh, was extremely honest with Z and was like, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I feel like I would be good going solo for the first time. So he was like super supportive, was talked to me about times that he's co-written, like given me this reassurance that uh, that it'd be a good decision and like all the stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Is this like what it's like, you know, kind of having the opportunity to explore and like experiment in ways when you're not focused on trying to get a delivered product done. So when we were given the opportunity to pitch, uh, Joe and I spent days figuring out what we were going to pitch. And the number one thing that we kept cycling back to was Seeds of Eden, um, aptly named by Sebastian, by the way, that title, all his credit, all amazing. Sebastian's the best editor ever. Um, we kept going back to Seeds of Eden because I was like, these are all my interests, horror and space together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think at the time we had had uh, an artist attached to it until Sebastian was like, this is the one. Keep working on this one. And I was like, yes, he picked my favorite one. Let's go, let's do this. <laughs> and Joe was like, ready. And so when Sebastian and Z were like, hey, do you have an artist in mind for this? I I think that was the part where my brain went into imposter syndrome because I was like, oh, I could ask any artist I want, what? (laughs) And so because I was already friends with Paul, I felt more comfortable asking him. Mm -hmm. But even then I was still like, hey, Paul, uh, you know, (laughs) would you maybe maybe have time for like a friend favor or you know what I mean like I mean he's still like working with TKO it's not like a favor but 
um, it was kind of cool to ask an artist that I highly respect, uh, mm -hmm. look up to even, like I look up to him like a brother slash, uh, you know, mentor slash, he's one of my favorite artists. And three, to have this experience with a co-collaborator like Joe that I had just finished, you know, this entire series wrap up at Vault and then move straight to um, him and I kind of geeking out and envisioning and co-writing at the same time, like, oh, Paul's going to execute this. So it's easy for me to be like, we don't even have to write out part of this page because he's, he, he's going to know exactly what he wants to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I am now very much on a tangent, by the way. So feel free to interrupt <laughs> me at any point. No, no, this no. Is um, absolutely. You're answering like the next two or three questions in like one answer. So it, it, it works really well for that's us. That's pretty good. Yeah. I am very excited about it because I had Paul on my Twitch stream a couple of weeks ago for Thought Bubble. And mm -hmm. I don't think we had ever really talked about the entire process or like how it came to be. But I always like that kind of stuff. So that's why I like sharing it. And also I get to like low key friend brag about the fact that I was able to ask Paul to be on it. <laughs> and I think he was like perfect for the story after seeing the pages come in and it being executed I was like oh my god like I literally I I couldn't see anything different like once it was done you know so mm -hmm. um long story short you know I would get on the phone with Paul and be like hey we have this idea what would you think about that and so we'd like kind of go back and forth about well this panel would be really cool if this happened. I'm not going to say anything because it's a huge spoiler, but when you get to the double page spread, you'll know. Um, and like Joe, like sometimes I'd be like, I'm just going to push the conversation a little bit crazier and see if Joe matches me up. And like, he'd always surpass me and crazier, like in terms of like, I was like, yes, I love, I really want to write another horror thing with Joe, like really bad. <laughs> it was very fun. But so since then, the reason why I can't remember whether or not it was published first is because Joe and I have actually done um, some pitches for some other publishers in either the co-writing or the uh, writer-artist aspect. And so my mind just kind of, you know, last two years, everything just blends together. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, d I definitely get that. You know, b between between True Cult uh, and, and, and Seeds of Eden, you know, these are these are kind of, um, you know, if not, if not firsts, then pretty near firsts, uh, <laughs> based on the, on, on the cloudiness of what we just talked about. But, you know, it, it feels like you, you took a lot of, of, you know, risks this year. Uh, you know, what was your kind of, you know, do you have like one big takeaway from, you know, working on, on these, you know, on these projects? Um, I brought this up recently and I forget, I, it might've been another podcast, but I got advice a long time ago from Mike Mignola. He was a guest at Mocha Fest and there was no line. And I was like, I get to ask Mike Mignola anything. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give an aspiring comic creator? You know what I mean? But he was Is like- like the Chris Farley, like remember, remember when you did Hellboy? That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I can't even do that. Like sometimes, I, there's two types of different people that I like just can't talk to. One is musicians that I admire a lot that they're like in my top five favorite bands. Have mm -hmm. met a couple, super sweaty, can't talk to them, get out of here, whatever. <laughs> and then there's um, 
comic creators that I really admire in their works that have affected me in some way, okay. whether it be like, you know, a problem that I needed to solve or, you know, whatever. And it somehow came to me from reading this comic. Like, I remember the first time I met Chip, sorry, Chippy, for listening to this, years ago, years ago. I mean, this is before I started pursuing comics, but I was like, he's one of my favorite writers. This is incredible. And he drew this book and blah, blah, blah. It's my favorite. I remember just like, like so sweaty. Like I am not a person that sweats, but just like couldn't talk to him. And I was like, I just enjoy your work so much. And that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I can't start a conversation with somebody, but eventually when I started pursuing comics, I was like, I need to get over that. So that's why I was like, okay, I'll just ask him a question. If he says no, uh, back to Mike Mignola, I was like, if he says no, then he says no, he's busy, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like I don't take it personally, especially doing a con a long day. Like you can't take that personally. So he actually like was like, sit down there, like, and let me talk to you about, the-. you know, it was really cool. So he was like, listen, when I started Hellboy, uh, I was tired of like doing all the things that, you know, other people wanted me to do. And I always respect that somebody is able to vocalize that because I like to say, or at least think in my head that if I'm not enjoying something, I'll just like, you know, kind of pass it and like not say anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would ever really think about it um, less than an experience that I learned a lesson from. And so when he was like, you know, I was tired of working on this stuff and I just really wanted to make something for myself. And when I finally did that, it was like a lightning bolt hit. And like, I can't believe that I wasted all that time not making something that I wanted to make for myself and look how successful it is. Right. And so I was like, oh no, that's the piece of advice I need to remember for the rest of my life. (laughs) And so it's kind of interesting in that when you said that I took a lot of risks this year, that is very true, extremely true, because it's the first year that I've said no to stuff. It's the first year that I've worked on um, a creator owned outside of a publisher, which is even more risky, I feel like, because you're putting in a lot of your time and effort outside of what you could be getting paid with a publisher or something like that. And people that are picked up by publishers, very lucky because you get either the monetary support or whatever that you need to survive as a comic creator. So because, you know couple months of pandemic and you know not sure where my schedule is at and things being pushed off or canceled Mm -hmm. um that was the time to just do it and you know take a couple there were times where I was like okay if I can't make it to next month do I start doing the adult thing and planning like a backup plan Mm -hmm. like a day job or whatever and so each month I'd say okay is it going to be next month but it never came which is nice. Um, And it was scary because, you know, cons were not happening and uh, local comic shops were limited hours or you couldn't go in and things like that. So even the things that were my normal day of life with work and collecting, it was, it was all messed up. Mm -hmm. And then there was all the news that we were hearing all year about these publishers, like leaving diamond and like, Uh, books delayed for like eight to nine months or canceled or like all this stuff so it was terrifying going through this entire environment with no certainties whatsoever but you know your certainty and any advice that I could give any creator whether or not they're at my level or lower is that you have to take the risk of investing time for any type of payoff 
And you have to know that maybe the payoff isn't going to happen. And that's okay too. Because you still ended up making something. And if somebody's not into comics or making comics for the sake of creating, then they're in the wrong industry, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, so you've, you've done many series, you've done short stories, you know, you're writing now. Uh, you know, what do you see as, as like the next challenge? You know, are you, you know, do you think you have like a, you know, full length graphic novel in you, you know, what, what are you kind of <laughs> um, looking to do next? I started a graphic novel already. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to come out later next year. Uh, it's really cool. Cause I'm working with people that I know already and I really, really love them. Um, and I am working on true cult. So it's nice because I get to work on that and work on, you work on your day job and you work on your night job, but it's the same feeling all day, every day. And it's mm-hmm. great, you know? Um, and in the meantime, like it's been nice, you know, I said, I've been saying no a lot. Like I had to close my commission list and it has not reopened and doesn't look like it's reopening anytime soon, as well as, um, you know, doing more writing, which is fun um, with friends that I collaborate with and, um, hopefully going to work on, you know, I wouldn't say writing is necessarily something that I want to pursue full time, mm-hmm. but I really enjoy doing it. And I really like the opportunities that have been given to me. So I want to like make that payoff as good as possible and use that towards my next project and like things that I've learned, you know, apply it towards. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about the absence of cons a, a little bit, you know, how have you kind of, uh, adapted both in terms of, of, you know, making sure that you're, you know, still out there, uh, you know, selling yourself, uh, had to, no, no, that's a bad choice of wording. I, you know, I, I mean, get, you know, keeping selling my brand. Yeah, you. there we go. Yeah. Your brand. <laughs> I think selling yeah. yourself is like something you have to do as a comic creator, but you also have to do it at cons. So I think selling yourself is like the right terminology, but it's more so like selling yourself to be like, hey, please also buy these wares on my table. You know what I mean? Like you have to convince yourself that you are worthy of, you know, the consumer interaction. Um, And I don't even just mean professionally, but also, you know, the social aspect, let's face it. I mean, cons are are one of those places where, you know, you see people like once a year or whatever. Actually, so cons were my main source of socializing uh, because I had recently moved. So hilarious on that part. But um, I do have like a rotating roulette of like close comic friends that either Discord or Zoom hang out every day. And so I'm kind of just like seeing them every day. It's like going into the office. It is great. But um, keeping in front of people, I actually revived when I first, before I started comics, I was doing like illustration and stuff like that. And I was Twitch streaming a lot Mm -hmm. um, back when I lived in Jersey. Um, So the reason why I stopped is because my computer crashed on Thanksgiving three years ago, four years ago. Um, And I had never been able to stream since, but now that I have a nicer computer, I've been able to stream. So I think it was like March I was like, well, I guess I'll do this again. This is, you know, at least I'll get to say hi to everybody that I had met prior to the comics 
um, realm. And so it's been cool to like integrate both uh, people and like have people meet each other. Like a lot of my Patreon actually comes onto the Twitch. And so they, you know, bring their friends and it's kind of cool. It's kind of like a party. And I really enjoy that, um, especially because if I'm drawing and Twitch streaming at the same time, it feels like a con. It's a little bit more work on my end because I'm having mm-hmm. to read the entire chat while also drawing mm-hmm. and sometimes interviewing people um, like other creators or friends or peers of mine. But the payoff is great in that I feel like I am getting the interaction that I would typically get at cons through that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this podcast is a prime example of this is this is how I'm getting out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. So um yeah so uh I, I was watching some of your twitch channel today uh social media luddite that i i am that was the first time i've ever actually you know used twitch you're you're basically low-key hosting your own television show yeah it's exhausting <laughs> it's totally exhausting i will not lie especially so uh what i've been doing recently over the past couple months specifically during kickstarter and tko being announced which mm-hmm. we found out like kind of or it was around the same time was that i could utilize my twitch stream to interview the creators on the book and like hang out with them and like have this experience and that's kind of how we like brought that back into kickstarter And then on Fridays to relax and like just be on Twitch, it was kind of either interviewing a friend of mine that I really enjoyed hanging out with to be like, get more eyes on them um, or uh, draw and also like have my local group of friends um, on there. But it is, you're running an entire interview and you're your own producer because you have to run the entire thing. Um, and you're running the entire chat. Lucky for me, uh, my Patreon mod actually helps with all my Twitch, Twitch streams now. Brent, uh, who is Carol Collector on Twitter, uh, they actually now come into every stream because it's like, <laughs> this has gotten to the point where we're doing it twice a week. There's always like a quote unquote celebrity guest. Which I, you know, even having like Paul on there the other week while drawing Yoda for Thought Bubble, I was like, you know, I have to relay questions and things like that. So it's kind of nice when you have a whole bunch of friends doing it with you, but it is, um, it's like almost kind of a whole other job in itself, you know. But when you're in comics, you're kind of doing 8 million jobs as it is, so. Well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about when the, the last time we were on our show uh, back in spring 2019, and like, I think halfway, like halfway through the episode, uh, you started asking us questions <laughs> and that's when I was like, well, yeah, no, this makes absolute sense. She's already good at interviewing. <laughs> I, that means a lot because sometimes I feel like I'm real bad at it. So I appreciate that. Also, didn't we talk about Final Fantasy for like 30 minutes? Uh, we probably did. Uh, it was a thing where I was involved. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense uh i'm actually i'm replaying seven right now uh not not the remake just the original the you know switch port but yeah (laughs) i have not had time for video games otherwise i'd be gushing about it that's a good problem to have (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, i did i did play the remake at one point somebody brought it uh and yeah it's it's gorgeous but uh, (laughs) watching jen uh post all the art for that I'm just like, I, I literally cannot believe it's been months and I have not been able to play it yet. But I know that when I do, probably like 
let's say Christmas week, because that's probably the only time I'll have time. Mm-hmm. It'll the payoff will be worth it. Like the weight will be totally worth it. Uh, so uh, this this will have have passed by the time this episode drops next week. But you did sort of a, a Thanksgiving week uh, for artist pop up shop thing with uh, with Sweeney Boo and uh, Alicia Riddell and uh, Aviva Artsy. Uh, how does sharing a, a commerce space with other artists, I mean, is it, is it effectively like the equivalent when you share a table at a con or, you know, does it kind of lift, lift all the boats, uh, it, you know? Yeah, that's the, I would say, yeah, rising tides uh, lift everyone. Um, what's great is we're all friends outside of comics anyway. So I think that's the main, Aviva was the one that kind of, she's the mastermind behind it all. And actually, I think she's why I'm really close to Sweeney Boo and Leisha. Mm-hmm. So when she asked me, I was like, well, of course, like, because after Thought Bubble, I was like, I, I won't have time for the next eight months to run a shop. So it would be nice to have, you know, the support at this point. And she had already helped run uh, Sweeney Boo's shop. So it was like, I feel like Sweeney Boo and I have a very uh, good crossover of like fans that we could give each other or like, Mm -hmm. you know, community that we can connect with because I know that a lot of like one of Brent, my Patreon mod met me because of Sweeney and I's photo of Paul Rudd together. (laughs) Like that's how we got connected and now couldn't live without Brent. So, um, it's, it's incredible. So just like knowing, and I, I know that Sweeney, Sweeney and I have a lot of uh, similar friends in common too. So it's just like kind of nice to have that collective of really talented women artists all together in one shop. Um, and, you know, again, Aviva's running it all. So she's mm-hmm. the complete mastermind behind it. So uh, it's been a great experience. Honestly, it's all of us just checking in every day being like, this is so cool. Like, When you're putting together an, an, an online store as an artist, you know, what kind of thought goes into to merch? So, you know, like signed books, you know, feel like a given, but like, you know, in terms of, you know, stickers, enamel pins, uh, you know, that t-shirts, you know, that kind of, that kind of other stuff. Like what, what's, I guess, you know, what's a need and I guess what's a little bit more outside the box? You know, what's interesting is everything is trial and error for the past, you know, five years, four years, uh, every piece of merch that I've ever made is trial and error. And that's the risk that I was willing to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the way I'm not quite sure how other people run, but the way that I run is if I went to a concert and I was going to buy everything at the merch table, because that's usually what I do. Um, what do I want from there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the experience that I feel like if you're reading a book that I've drawn or if you're reading a book that I've wrote or whatever, that's the experience that I want to give you that you came away from it being like super pumped. And like, I know I want extra stuff from, you know, books and stuff that I've read. Like I have a sexual Gary shirt from sex criminals. Like (laughs) I have a ton of Isola merch, uh, like Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw, like really well thought out even Michelle their colorist like did a behind the scenes book of how she colored it I bought that you know like I have to buy (laughs) that's the collector in me though like so I think of all the things that I would want from my favorite books you know you know I have multiple saga shirts 
things like that. So, and pins actually. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like that where, you know, I can't give you a vinyl record, but I can give you a shirt or I can give you a mm-hmm. pin or, you know, things like that. So it's, and that's the fun part is like, that's what I do in my free time is get to design merch that I would want to wear myself kind of. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wear it. I'll wear my own merch once in a while, but not, not all the time. <laughs> uh, Liana's currently wearing a She Said Destroy sweatshirt. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, it's a Stevie Nicks sweatshirt. <laughs> nice. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I stole it from my mom. Um, yeah, because that, I'm pretty sure this tour was in the 70s. No, 86. Stole it from her. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> again Uh. merch you see what i mean but you have to be so like for creators that um that's why things like kickstarter are so great because you don't have to take the monetary risk of creating merch and know what your market is like and Mm -hmm. how to find out what your market's like trial and error and and also like do things do different things sell online versus you know when you're tabling at a show and different shows are different too Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was Emerald City. I think the year that I went, all of my shirts almost sold out completely. I know one pin sold out, um, but then there would be one like Chicago where like mostly only books sold. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It's all about placement too, I think, in, in the Artist Alley as well. Um, and booth design. I used to work, you know, at Hot Topic. So there's like, I have merchandising brain. Mm. Um, and I used to work marketing and advertising. So again, like, it's kind of like having that process of figuring out your art style, but it's also figuring out your whole personal branding. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of people that I look up to for that. So how's the dog? <laughs> oh, they're both really good. Um, <gasps> I couldn't, I had to lock them out. Otherwise they were going to be really loud because my office, uh, this office has a window. Yay. But also (laughs) if they see anything outside of it, they would be barking the entire time. They are perfect. And uh, number one, thank you for asking. They're the light (laughs) of my lives. And number two, I'm so glad that people remember that I have two dogs because sometimes I'm like, I post way too much about them. And then other people are like, I feel like I remember you had a dog, but I don't remember. And so that just shows that I'm doing, I'm doing well in my balance of not posting too much. <laughs> and, and, and there was a tweet today uh, of a copy of She Said Destroy with a very pretty black cat. Who, That's who's a cat? cat. Oh, okay. Her name uh, is Luna. She's very precious. I've seen her many times in person. <laughs> She's super cute. <laughs> I just had to ask because it's like, oh, it's pretty kitty. Hello, pretty kitty. I love, we, I've talked about this with my friend groups a lot. And I was like, comics, there's a division. And the division is dog people and cat people. (laughs) And I am a both people. I cannot own cats because I'm allergic. But I love, I love, like, send me all the photos of your cats. I love it, you know. (laughs) Um, But I can definitely tell that there's some people that will just be like, eh, and like scroll past a dog photo. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? They are perfect. My dogs are perfect. I know I, this. I, you I tell you, we, <laughs> we, we had Steve Fox on a couple weeks ago. and uh, I love his dog so much. Yes. Wait, is, it, is his dog Cora? 
Am I yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> after so, Steve was on my Twitch stream, and after yes, he was. we closed out, I was. He was like, "Oh, I can finally show you my dog," and I was like, "Yes, like, <laughs> show me your dog." Uh, it was so nice. And then I, oh, I totally forgot to show him my dogs. Mine are kind of like they get too. They're too codependent now. So they'll just like hang out downstairs. And if I call them, one used to come up and just come hang out with me and lay by my feet. Mm-hmm. Not so much right now. I think he's like very attached. So that's, that's okay. It's also the time of year where it's really cold. So I get it. So you want to like stick with, some, stick with a buddy, but. They, they think they need each other for warmth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <gasps> so uh, I, I, I am curious, you brought this up before. Uh, what what's some of the stuff that's in that th- those six short boxes of uh, things to read? Oh my god! <laughs> Deep breath. Are you ready? <laughs> um, I'm okay. I know actually that it's like the last three issues or something of Isola before they went on break. Um, mm-hmm. No saga. Definitely caught up on that. Um, a whole bunch of Ahoy stuff because uh, my my previous editor, Sarah Litt, has some work mm-hmm. there. So I bought like Billionaire Island. I bought Casper Wingard and Kieran's... Um, oh, uh, Peter Cannon? Peter Cannon. Yeah, because I love Casper's work so much. I'm a huge Casper fan. Um, and I had obviously have finished Wake Div. Oh, I just bought Ludocrats because I just saw that. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that's out in trade already. Like where has the time gone? That was like the first book that came, like when, when they started shipping comics again, Ludocrats was like the first wow. book that came out. It was ridiculous. <laughs> is it um, Rom's new book? Is it Blue and Green? Yep. Yes. Uh, so I have that on my list. Actually, I bought like five of his books <laughs> because we had the Thought Bubble workshop together. I was like, oh yeah, I only have these savage shorts. I got to go buy everything else. So I bought like Paradiso and like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on my list. I'm currently reading Naja right now, uh, the Bengal book. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm talking about trades. Sorry, single issues. Oh God, all of the Batman run, all of the Catwoman run, because I've only read the first like five issues. Um, let's see, lots of vault books, like mm-hmm. lots. Obviously, gotta support my boys. Um, so probably full runs, I think, of every single book that's been out since she said destroy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if I'm like currently paying one of their electric bills. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of books. Um, sorry, that was a side note. Um, let's see, lots of image books. Almost any image number one, definitely in there. If not, you know, some of the series. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Like, I actually at one point started separating it by publisher because I was like, okay, I'm, I've gotten to a point now where like, even like, I think I've had like my Archie stack is probably in the 30 to 40 range. Mm-hmm. And I don't typically buy a ton of Archie in single issues. I typically mm-hmm. buy them in trades. So even that's a lot, but it's a lot of, oh, Outcast. Oh my God. Sorry, Paul. Way far behind. Jeez. I already like I already started rereading the old trades because I was like, yeah, really far behind. Um Oblivion Song. Mm-hmm. Is that the okay? Yep. Oblivion Song. Definitely have all those so far. Um 
now my brain's going. I have, <laughs> well, it's just, there's so many. It's just way too many. And then like if one of my peers or like friends or buds who I call them makes mm-hmm. a book, that's already in there. Like gotta get you the number one sales. So again, I'm a collector. Um, do I have regrets? No. Do I have regrets for my closet space? Yes. <laughs> one of us. I, I did get the us. nice. Yeah, I did get the really nice um, the black acrylic boxes because oh. they were in the cardboard. Um, so I think you both knew this, but I used to work at a shop, two shops. Yeah, and, yeah, um, I think that came up. Yep. Yeah. The when the shop that I was going to in Jersey like had one of the BCW like acrylic boxes sitting in a corner and I was like what is that and I like couldn't believe that I had never seen it before but I think it's because when I was in Canada that just wasn't something that you know Mm -hmm. he was going to order my old boss was going to order from Diamond understandably so uh after you know I've moved so much I was like I think now's the time to invest in this because what if water were to break, you know, like, or Mm -hmm. leak or something or whatever. So anyway, um, stacking those a lot better. My goal is to have as many to make a throne and beat David Harper's uh, physical comic throne. Yeah, I've seen that. Photos. It's like a battle, and then I will be the one reigning over single box comics. You got. You got to um, put some like but, spikes on it or something. Get a real Iron oh, yeah. Throne thing LED going. LED lights. Like I'm just gonna put LED lights all over it, and just yeah. In the in the game of short box thrones, you collect or you die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was one point where I was on Twitter saying like I was reading a trade a day, which was true um, up until like October. And so <laughs> at some point I will do my trade a day and also my single issues. Like I'll type them all up. So. Uh, um, well, Liana, uh, as we're, as we're wrapping up, this has been awesome. Uh, how can people follow everything you got going on right now? Okay, um, you can follow me at Liana Kangas, uh, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram. That's also my website. And I do Twitch every Tuesday at 2.30 Central Time and every Friday whenever I feel like it because it's a Friday. Um, you can get Seeds of Eden at TKO's website, which I do believe they have a 20 or 25% off coupon code right now. It's in the zine size format. So it's, you know, it packs a punch. Some really cool, real famous comic artists already have tweeted about it and I low-key lost my mind. Um, <laughs> you can get that there, but also highly recommend getting things like The Pull and Red Fork. Incredible stories. Honestly, TKO is doing a great job at that. Um, as for True Cult, we will have an update soon. So if you want updates on the book, even if you didn't back it, definitely sign up for the mailing list at truecultcomic.com. Um, you can also follow Scott Brian Wilson at Scott B.R. Wilson um, on Twitter, but you, I'll also be posting tons of updates. Um, turns out Inevitables has a pre-order for the physical print in comic if you missed out on that and or maybe didn't want the vinyl record to go along with it. So um, I do believe that's on wearetheinevitables.com. And I'm trying to think. I don't think I can talk about my graphic novel yet, so. And just so people, if they're interested, that's True Cult spelled for the website? T-R-V-E 
kvltcomic.com. <laughs> Thank you for noting that. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot of reviewers uh, pronounce it in very creative ways. And we realized <laughs> that after, yeah. Well, so the Kickstarter video, we pronounced it often, but we we're like, we should have done closed captioning on this. <laughs> like, it's, it's totally fine, but um, you know, lesson learned. Still works great. Everyone pronounces it true called now. So and that will be out fairly soon. So looking yeah. forward to it. Liana, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thanks for letting me go on like eight rants. You guys are the best. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files media empire, meaning you can find all our great comics coverage, along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around, at XavierFiles.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at XavierFiles.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones at Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Doc's Talks at XavierFiles.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent to each other. WMQA.